Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Scaling Your Business podcast. Before we jump into this episode, a quick shout out to a previous guest, Jack Murray, who's released his book, The Magic Slice, on how to master the art of storytelling for business. I've left a link in the description where you're listening or watching this to go and check out the book. But two quick shout-outs from people who've left testimonials for the book. Pat Phelan, the co-founder of Sisu Aesthetic Clinic, has said, This is a great book that demystifies the art of storytelling and unveils a simple process that anyone can follow to be a skilled communicator. And Patrick Campbell, the CEO and founder of Profitwell, has said, Stories are the bridge to get ideals from your mind to the minds of others. Couldn't agree more, Patrick. If you want to understand how to put stories at the heart of your mission, read this book. Jack blends theory, narrative, and practical know-how to give you the tools you need to tell stories. So, if you're interested in grabbing a copy of Jack's book, click the link in the description where you are listening or watching this. Other than that, let's jump into this episode. You're very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast. For this episode, delighted to be joined by Eamon Moore, the founder and CEO, now chairman of Hickory. Eamon, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks, Rain. Delighted to be here and thanks for having me. Yeah, delighted to have you, man. Uh, we're going to focus on getting to know you a little bit over the first couple of minutes and then jump into the main part of the podcast. From my research, you went to secondary school in St. Joseph CBS in Fairview. I'm going to assume, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that you grew up around the area. Can you tell me what life was like growing up? Any stand-up memories, favorite hobbies? Uh, yeah, no, I, I was. I, I grew up in Bournemouth um, in the north side of Dublin. I was actually originally born in Cork, would you believe? So, uh, But lost the Cork accent when we moved to Dublin when I was about three. Um, so I always get a good laugh from people when I talk about that. But I no, grew up in Bournemouth most of my life with the school there locally in, in Bournemouth. And then uh, Joey's, as we called it, in Fairview. Um, it was a great school. They had great memories of that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of su- successful people came out of that school. But that was the first thing. But there was a lot of, there was good business focus in that school. Uh, there was a kind of almost even a, an entrepreneurial spirit in that school back in those days with di- different activities that they had. So it was a very good ground there. I remember they, they all used to bring in uh, some great guest speakers and um, previous uh, students who have gone through uh, Joey's and uh, successful in in different uh, areas of business and 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 everything else and sport. So it was it was a great breeding ground for me and um, made a lot of good friends there and connections and and funny enough people I do business with today I went to school with in Joey's. So there's a, a really good piece there and I've gone back myself to speak to some of the students over the years and kind of give back in the way in the same way uh, students did during my time. So yeah, very fond memories of. Uh, of Joey's in secondary school and then that brought me on to to DCU then um, where I did a, a degree in computer applications uh, and again you know great four years there uh, great grounding for for where I started out in the world and and again great connections you know I'm a big networker by trade so uh, I, I, even from an early age I was doing that so um, these kind of environments I'm, I'm really comfortable in and that's that's the things that I really enjoy. Why computer uh, applications in DCU was there an interest there? Uh, there was, there was, yeah. Um, you know, I suppose the the um, got the uh, the career council in, in in Joey's. Everyone was saying computers. You got to get into it. It's the way to go. And that was ninety eight. So then two thousand happened. So maybe some of those uh, insights weren't there around that time. But I I started early. I, I was lucky enough to work uh, in a quite a successful 
computer software company called CSK Software in Moser Street, yeah. Dublin. Uh, I met some great people there, like Dermot Desmond, it was one of his companies that he that he was funding. Um, and there was a, a great team. They were selling financial services software globally. And, um, you know, there must have been 150 people in that office. I went in on work experience one summer during transition year. And one of the teachers in the school, his brother, ran that company. And I was lucky enough that they kept me on. Um, and uh, I, I, I worked every summer and every break I had there all through school and in the early stages of my, of, of my college. And uh, I loved it, you know, I was fascinated by it. Like, you know, the deals that were happening in the technology world, like they were selling big deals. You could see when they landed a deal, the impact it had in the office was just fabulous, you know? And again, I go back to my networking piece. I always have a fond memory from that story, even at 16. Uh, I remember uh, I, I was told anyway, the CFO came looking down for me. I was doing kind of IT support for them at that early stage. And the CFO was told that I was out golfing with the managing director of one of the main suppliers uh, that we had into that uh, department from an infrastructure point of view. So at 16, I was kind of making those connections and getting out there early. And it's just, I still, I, I still love it these days, but it was a great ground. Like, like at that early age, I was dealing with people um, that were in their 20s, 40s, 50s and 60s, you know, in, in that organization. And I always put that that was, uh, that's really kind of where I learned a lot of my skills. Mm. It, we're going to get into that in a minute. Influence and impact is a question I like to uh, use as a segue moment. What I mean by that is people can usually point to a handful of people that had a massive impact or influence on them. So think kind of young Eamon in his teenage, if not younger years, uh, close friends, teachers, family, friends, anyone that you can think of, or perhaps two or three people you can think of that had a massive impact on your early years that helped shape the person you've become today. Yeah, well, I, I think back to the earlier, like my, my dad was self-employed for years. He had an office out the back of our house in Beaumont. You know, he sold shop equipment, which was cash registers back in those days, you know. And uh, so that kind of gave me my first appetite of being somewhat in control of your own destiny. I remember seeing things like business cards with your name on it, just simple little things. Because this is obviously before the days of websites and everything. But I was just hugely impressed about how you could do that and put your own branding on it. I remember you got his first mobile phone, actually, in the car. Like, the thing was a... It was a huge thing. It was about the size of an iPad, you know, but, um, and, and you're looking at these things going, yeah, that, that's, I like that. Like doing business on the move. That was probably the first head, the, the first inkling of remote working. You were like working from the car with this big, huge car phone uh, in, in it and being able to do business uh, on the fly. Um, so that, that was my kind of first um, uh, influence around business and where I got an appetite for it as well. Mm. Uh, I, I'll go back to that time in CSK as well. I remember there was the, the CEO there, Jerry Giblin, who I, I'm still quite close to today and meet very often. I just I was always amazed by his technical ability, but uh, but to match that with his business acumen, you know, to be able to speak to people at a high end technical level, but also bring it back to conversation, bring it back to, to the business need as well. I was always hugely impressed with that from an early age, how he was able to do that. Um, and that's something that I tried to bring into what I do these days as well. So that was a great deal of influence um, from me. And then, but across the board, you know, I, uh, I'm, you know, I, I suppose I, I, people I relate to and, uh, you know, I was, you, you, I read the, the Sunday papers, all the papers, the business publications, like anyone, but I'm always drawn to people I know, as opposed to, you know, these big worldwide success stories of people that I don't know. It's people I've met during the course of my career. I'm always really interested in their story, you know, and seeing them in the paper and what they're doing and how they're pitching. I just find it far easier to relate to those people because I've met them or I'd seen them in the business environment. Um, as opposed to going off and reading books from A, B, and C, you know, it's just the way I approach things. So it's those kind of people that I, I at times find my own my inspiration in because it's it's close to me, it's real world, it's right in my doorstep. 
Um, so they're the kind of things that really have influenced me over the years. What's your dad's name? Tommy. Tommy Moore. Shout out, shout out to Tommy Moore and, and, and Jerry of the uh, positive impact they've, they've left on you. Um, I'd like to rewind the clock, though, to the year 1995. You spent almost nine years as an IT administrator at CSK Software and then BT uh, before joining uh, Compare as the managing director. In that almost nine-year period, um, the question, and I think the nine-year period is collectively between BT and CSK software. Um, skills, was there one or two skills that you can pinpoint that you weren't so great at at the start of your career, but were, I'd say, crucial or important to improve on as you stepped into that MD role? And if so, can you pinpoint one of the two, two of those skills that you've since improved on? Yeah, um, I, I think in, the, in those days, um, it was really around uh, focus for me, you know, just to make sure that there was key things that that, that you focused on that you could deliver on. Uh, I found myself in the early days running around trying to do everything. And you do that uh, as the kind of founder, uh, CEO of a small business, naturally anyway. Um, but it, it, it's interesting you ask that because, like, I was only speaking about this to somebody the other day. There's a journey, I believe, that you, you have to go on as an entrepreneur, you know, like I'm 41 now this year. Um, and I'm only starting to find out things about myself now uh, in these years, you know, and particularly with COVID and, you know, being in the home office and everything else. I'm, just, I'm fascinated about how much I've evolved as a person, as a founder, as a leader, perhaps uh, over the years, you know, because, you know, like I went straight, you know, I, I, did, I did that um, uh, work with, with CSK and uh, yeah, BT or ESAP back in the day when I was in my, in my teens, you know, so, you know, there was no formal training. And, and then I pretty much founded my first company after um, after college, it was a company called Emit, which is a managed services company. So, you know, I didn't really have that kind of training where you go into go into the corporate world, you learn from lots of people, you have that experience. I just went into it straight away because I had an opportunity because in 2000, like everything, the, the bubble burst for .com. So like we weren't walking into jobs out of that degree in DCU like others before us were. Um, and it was kind of, it was heavily towards a programming um, component anyway. So programming wasn't one of my strengths or anything that I really wanted to focus on. So it made sense for me to go stay in the technology world. And then with that entrepreneurial spark that I had, uh, with to go in and set up, set, set up my own business and I've continued to do ever, ever since. But I think just back to the point about how you evolve, um, you know, I think when you say focus, it's about focusing on, you know, the tasks that you have at hand in your day-to-day -day operations, but also focusing on your own strengths. And like, for me, it took me a while to realize what makes me tick and what I'm good at, you know? And I think that's only come recently because, you know, you hear people and, you know, ask for advice and people say, make sure you plug the gaps, bring in the best people around you um, to uh, plug the gaps that you have. My question to these people is, do you actually know what those gaps are? And it's not just operational gaps. It's about you as a person, as an entrepreneur, as a CEO. What are you good at? And then plug that gap. And like, if I, if I, if I look at myself now, if I, there's three things that make someone like me tick, right? I'm a risk taker. I've always have been, always have been. Any good uh, CEO, entrepreneur, founder has to be. Uh, the second thing is I'm a biz dev guy, you know, and whatever way I kind of code, I go in, I open doors, I get in doors that lots of people can't get through. And that's my skill set. It's been my skill set in Ireland for years. I'm now doing it on a global scale with some of the operations that we have. And it's what I love and it's what I'm really good at. Um, and then my last piece in, um, you know, in, in the technology world of partnerships, uh, one of my core strengths is working with companies and organizations like Microsoft, who are big organizations and help them to kind of spot gaps in the market and work together with them to roll that out, that strategy and work with, the, with their partners to bring out these new technology into the market in a collaborative fashion. 
And, you know, I, I'm, that's what my realization now, that's, they're the three things I'm good at. That's what I concentrate on. And that's where I can value the organizations that I deal with today. I, 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 I love it. Um, you, you mentioned at the start of that EMIT, you spent, I believe, almost like 15 years, if not more than 15 years there. You eventually exited in 2018. Um, for, for founders or CEOs who are eventually looking to exit themselves, let's say kind of like five, six years away in the horizon, there's a number of blind spots that businesses can fall to, not uh, focusing on boarding or building the bench, um, not focus on lead generation, not building a culture of accountability, um there, there's a there's a variety of them is there one or two that you can see that founders should focus on uh, eliminating or getting straight if their focus is if their medium-term focus is on exiting the business successfully yeah sure yeah but i, I think one of the big things depending on your size your business is uh, a lot of the time the danger that a lot of people fall into is <clears throat> excuse me is that everything resides around the founder the ceo you know, and they are that business that the the core of that business, and that and that kind of value that uh, that creates is good for the business at a certain point, um, but not an exit. So, like if the founder wanted to move on, or if there wasn't an earnout period, etc. If all roads lead to the founder or certain people in that team, that's going to be challenging in getting real value for the exit of your company. So, I think the 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 real thing for me about to, to build that value if you're looking for an exit is to make sure you concentrate on growing that customer base, you're solidifying contracts in in the short to medium term, and um, but also the team around you as well. That like you know there's there's, there's, only, there's only a few reasons normally why people buy businesses. So they're looking for the talent, the technology, or the customer base. They're the three things really that 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 makes sense for people to make an acquisition. Because um, the cost of customer acquisition, as we all know, is, is, is huge. So it makes more sense to try and get that as a result of that acquisition piece. So I, I, I think it's about creating a business that um, allows you to, to, to lead that business as a CEO or founder, but make sure that all roads don't lead to you. And you, you're not that crucial part that if you were to step away, the whole thing falls apart. And that, that's difficult, you know, and that's why there are things like earn up periods and everything comes with an exit. Um, but it's about it's about building the value that uh, you can lead, but the value shouldn't just reside around you as an individual, because that that's going to make it difficult then in the, in the event of a sale or an exit. You're the chairman of Hikari now. Uh, rather than me tell the audience what it is, uh, 30 second commercial, things like that, uh, the microphone is yours because you'll do a much better job. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, so Hikari is, is, is what you call a low code uh, development company. So we use a suite of tools um, that cover business intelligence business process automation and low code app development. And at the core of what we do, we're, we're, we're problem solvers. So we take all those challenges and bottlenecks that organizations have around data and around automation and around apps, et cetera. And we build them in a low code environment. That means the speed to development and the rollout of these applications is, is much lower than in your traditional software development piece. So really excited about this because we're, we're dealing with companies, you know, right across SMB, corporate enterprise, uh, both in Ireland and across Europe and North America now, who are coming to us to kind of build these solutions for them. Uh, as, as you imagine, with all my businesses, there's a strong Microsoft element to this. So we, we leverage their power platform uh, stack to go out to market with this. And um, yeah, it, it, it's exploding globally, this low-code um, market at the moment. So really excited um, with some of the opportunities that are on the horizon for us. Excellent. I'll leave links to your website, your LinkedIn page, and anything else we reference in the description field wherever you're listening or watching this. I'll reference that again before we finish up. A couple more questions for you, Eamon. Staff retention. 
Uh, I've I've had over 150 guests on this podcast this year alone. Retention comes up a lot as an issue when competing with the big tech companies. A lot of the guests that are on this are SMB owners. So is there, uh, from your experience, is there a couple of things that uh, owners can focus on to improve retention uh, if they're trying to compete against the big tech guys and they just don't have the same pockets as those guys? Yeah, yeah. Like I think for me, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's an inclusion piece that, that's really important. Like all the organizations we've built over the years and then we're doing now, um, everyone has a say, you know, it's, it's not one person. Like we have a board and I carry, we've, we've multiple shareholders and um, we brought in some of the team as shareholders in this new business and this new venture. So everyone is, is committed to that. And I know you, there's only certain uh, amount of pie that you can split up, but we've, we've given a lot of core people shareholding in this business who are going to be part of the success and the reason will be successful is because of those people so that that's one angle that we do i, I think also you know the, in, in the tech world you always have the fear that the big guys come offer lots of money to our team and away they go we, we've had a lot of success over the past of, of there's a real entrepreneurial spirit in in the business that we've had so people really relate to that um, and also then you get like traditionally a, a small business, you know, so we're, we're 20 odd staff now and growing, but the business in the past have always been small and agile. So you're giving staff that experience in a small agile business, but what's always been very successful uh, for, for us in business is that we've leveraged big partnerships um, like Microsoft and Dell over the years. And the staff have got the experience of those large organizations as well. So we bring them into strategic meetings. They get to meet a lot of the teams. They get to see what it's like in these big organizations, global organizations that we deal with on a daily basis. So that kind of mix for us has, has always worked well. And people have stayed with us quite a lot of time across the business because of that exposure, you know, and, and uh, to the large scale organizations, but also the agility and everything good that comes with a small uh, organization. Three more questions for you. Um... Have you got a personal definition of what success means to you? Um, yeah, I suppose when you're looking at success, like I, I, I think it's it's really taking something at a concept, an early stage concept, like we did with Hikari, um, and people people joining you on the journey. You know, I think having an idea, spotting a gap in the market, uh, taking a risk, and we and we did. Like we 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 sold a really good business, the last one, to spin out Hikari to go after this low code um, environment piece. Uh, it was a big risk, you know. And but that's I've been doing that all my life. Um, but when people come on you with the journey. Um, and they sign up, they join the team. Uh, when you have organizations like Microsoft who partner with you successfully and get you involved in key initiatives, um, that for me, that's success. You know, taking something that was literally something on an idea, something you spotted a gap in the market or something you wanted to go after and you've grown it successfully and expanded into other regions, um, that's, that's success for me. I'm, I'm like, you know, it's, it's not about big exits. It's, 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 it's not about money. It's, it's about just doing what I love and this probably won't be my last venture. I think I'm on my fifth one now at this stage. Um, but I just, I love taking an idea uh, and I love growing it and getting, getting recognition in the market. And that kind of is success for me is something very small that grows. Um, and sometimes they don't grow and sometimes you have to let them go. And that's all part of, of being in business. You recently bought, I believe it's called play nice, but win by Michael Dell. Uh, have you a, all-time favorite book that you'd recommend to other founders that they should read if you think of founders in the early stage of their business yeah good question actually um let me see there's been a few over the years 
Let me, let me come back to you on that one, maybe, yeah. yeah. No worries. Well, well, this is the last question, and it is, um, if you were the decision-maker on adding a mandatory subject to the secondary school curriculum, what would it be and why? I think I would, uh, yeah, I, I'd probably put in coding, you know, uh, in, into it. And I'm seeing a lot of that at the moment with, with a lot of initiatives, but, you know, just the way we see the world going and see what's happening, I think that ability to have an understanding even at a basic level or an ability around coding. I think the, the way the world is going to go and the openness of coding and source code and et cetera, uh, I think there's a lot of smart things are going to be able to uh, done in that environment. Um, and I think a basic understanding uh, will go a long way for, for, for individuals. Mm, gotcha. Awesome. Well, I, I'm more than happy to insert a recommendation of a book below post this, unless you can think of one on the spot. Yeah. And I'm, try, I'm trying to think now actually, yeah, what, uh, but one I've, I've gone back to over the years. Yeah, see, it's, it's, not, it's not a huge amount of thing that I do, really, you know. It's more yeah. business publications than, more than anything else, you know. The Michael Dell one is interesting because I met, I've, I've, I've struck up this bizarre relationship with Michael Dell uh, since my last business. And um, so we, uh, we, we, we met. Um, actually, I, I was uh, messing around on, on social and tagging him with a few tags. And uh, I wrote some blog posts for Dell Ireland here and uh, he eventually picked up one of the blog posts and we shared it to like a million Twitter followers or something. And then he linked in with me and then we just struck up this bizarre relationship mm-hmm. since and uh, we'd email every so often for updates and he shares advice and thoughts on what I'm doing and then um, met him a few times in Austin. We, we won a global award with him um, in, in uh, 2016, I think it was, or 2015 perhaps. So I got the chance to meet him in person. I've met him in person here. Um, so yeah, that book is, it was exciting for me. That book came out, so. Awesome. I'd like to thank you for spending the last 25, 30 minutes with me. Uh, I'll leave links to everything that we discussed below and wherever you're watching and listening to this. I wish you continued success with this venture and any future ventures. But for today, Eamon Moore of Hikari, thanks for being my guest. Great. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it.